0: Like syringes, yeah. I'm in my mold, got a cold like the benches. I was in the trenches, now I'm in the trump, and Everybody watch your back when you're in the front. You ain't never safe, stop playing with a gangster. Bring it to his face and he ran like a flanker. Bend the girl over, put her hands on the ankles. I'm all over this ice cream beat like sprinkles. Why, thank you if you's a hater? I'm eating, use a waiter, pistol on my hip, Tomb Raider. This episode of the DFS MVP Podcast is brought to you by FanDuel, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. You can play on FanDuel all year long, whether it's football, baseball, basketball, or hockey. Whatever sport you like, you can play it daily on FanDuel. Use promo code 444. That's 4-F-O-R-4 for a 100% deposit bonus. Face. Can't tell the time, cause the dang's in the face. We could get it popping like a semi automatic. And if you got beef, I put the biscuit on a patty. Rockstar tatted, big money addict, running. I'm feeling athletic. I, I'm on- Welcome to a wild card playoff edition of DFS MVP, Daily Fantasy Sports Most Valuable Podcast, presented by 4 for 4 Football. I'm 4 for 4, Senior DFS Editor Chris Raybon, joined as always by my co host, TJ Hernandez. How was your holidays TJ?
1: Going good, man. Holiday's over, but uh, we're going to keep this DFS train rolling as, as long as they're. Uh, there are games up. We'll be talking about uh, plays plays for the rest of the playoffs.
0: Definitely, definitely. Uh, let's talk about the song that played us in. It was "Ice Cream Paint Job" by Little Wayne, or more specifically, mixtape Wheezy off the mixtape "No Ceilings." TJ, how much do you love your some mixtape Wheezy?
1: Yeah, man! I when uh, back in like early two thousands when Lil Wayne was still good, that, that was almost all I listened to. Uh, I can remember when, when the Carter first came out, uh, I was I was uh, just starting college and iPods weren't even uh, everyone didn't even have an iPod yet. I was walking around campus still listening to my disc man.
0: Oh man! Yeah, man. No, I agree. There was a time when I had more Lil Wayne songs on my iPod. Or MP3 player or whatever we had. To yeah. Mini disc player, if y'all remember those. Whatever <laughs> it was. Uh, I had more Lil Wayne songs than any other artist at one point. Because he was dropping a mixtape like every few months. So Every um, week. Pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. But um, yeah, so check that out. Uh, mixtape Wheezy, great artist. Not the same guy now. Pretty much pressed this prime. But we digress. Let's jump right into some playoff DFS. We're going to do a little... Bit of a different format for the playoffs. We will go game by game instead of position by position since there are only four games. We'll dive in to exactly what's going to be going on in each of those. And before we begin, a couple words of advice. We do suggest treating the playoffs similarly to week 17, playing less cash games and more GPPs just due to the potential volatility. Uh, in a short slate with limited options, do you have any other advice as far as player pool, TJ?
1: Yeah, I mean, when you mention the volatility, it just because uh, we expect with such a short slate, uh, massive overlap among lineups. So uh, that just means that if you're playing, if you're playing against uh, anyone, really, there's a chance that uh, you can. I mean, you could virtually have the same the same lineup uh, in a head in any given head-to-head. So you're just creating a really high variant situation where you could be playing. Um, and you're in a spot where you're really just playing two two roster spots against each other. Uh, so to avoid that, we want to play those GPPs. But as far as player pool, uh, any player that's getting significant touches, um, any position player, obviously, all the starting quarterbacks um, are in play because if you're playing a contest like the Millie Maker where there's 200,000-plus uh, lineups uh, and only uh, maybe maybe 30, or 30 players that you're legitimately choosing from, uh, then you're obviously in a spot where uh, even if you have a, a very good value, it uh, might be worth foregoing that value for a slightly less popular option just to try to get uh, a different lineup. That doesn't necessarily mean you want to be foregoing the top values of the week. Um, you still want to put yourself in a position where you can obviously outscore your competition, but, uh, just keep in mind that, uh, playing one or two very unique players can lead to an overall unique, uh, roster construction just based on their salaries. So, uh, keep that in mind. You don't, you still don't have to go, you know, the one person owned at every position.
0: No, definitely. I think that's a great point. Uh, you mentioned you know, you can have one or two guys, and I think that's what it really comes down to. Pretty much any cheap player who even scores a touchdown, even if he doesn't have a big game, just a cheap touchdown if everyone paid up. For example, if people choose to pay up at wide receiver and you find that one cheap wide receiver that maybe gets 50 yards and a touchdown, that could be enough. Yeah. I, I remember in the FanDuel Sunday Million last week, the winning lineup actually had Pierre Garçon. At wide yeah. receiver. And that was an ultimate contrarian play just because everyone expected the Redskins to rest their starters. And surely enough, Garcon didn't play the whole game. He only got 50, 49 yards, I believe, but he, he got a touchdown. And that was just enough at his salary range. So any player hits a, a long completion, a big gain, a touchdown from a, a, a minimum price tight end, a fullback, even, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> something yeah, like that. Uh, sure. Don't overlook these guys. You know, I know the Seahawks last week, they ran. Uh, t- a play for Will Tukuafu. he got a touchdown and then they ran a similar play in the red zone for Coleman, their other fullback yeah. and it actually ended up not going to him for the touchdown uh, but he, that, the original play was actually designed to go to him for a touchdown so things like this are things you might want to keep in mind um, if you have NFL game rewind and you like to watch, uh, you can always uh, put on some of the red zone plays just to look at who is on the field and who might get uh, be, get a play design for them to score just because uh, teams tend to run similar packages week after week. So that's definitely something to keep in mind. But let's jump right into these games. We have the Chiefs at the Texans. Uh, Chiefs are a three-and-a-half point favorite. The over-under is 40. So TJ, take us through that game.
1: Sure. So I'm just going to touch on, um, on some plays. That I, I particularly like, as I mentioned before, uh, any player that's going to be getting significant touches is obviously in play. Uh, for game theory reasons, uh, all the quarterbacks are, are going to be pretty good values just because there aren't any uh, extraordinarily high-priced plays. Uh, but I think the most curious situation in this game, and, and I think maybe the most exp- exploitable situation um, of wildcard weekend is the Kansas City backfield uh, with Spencer Ware now fully healthy. He had a rib injury for a couple weeks. Uh, Spencer Ware makes for a really nice play this week. He's $5,400 on FanDuel and $4,000 on DraftKings. Uh, And as I mentioned, he was coming off that rib injury uh, so this is one of those situations where you can't necessarily just box score scout the game because uh, shark Kendrick West has uh, a much higher game split just because where's been a little uh, limited the past few weeks so I went back and watched uh, every offensive play uh, from the Chiefs Raiders game in week 17 and um, it was it was a virtual timeshare uh, West got the start he looked really good the first series um, but then they were more or less rotating series uh, and then once the Chiefs had the lead where was actually the back that uh, they shut the game down with. Uh, he was averaging 4.8 yards per carry last week uh, to West's 2.6, and like I said, that was in a virtual timeshare. Uh, so they saw that Ware was running better, and when they needed to to uh, to close it down, uh, they put Ware in there. Um, That's that's really important for a couple reasons. One, uh, just because the Chiefs are favored by three and a half, so we do expect them to have a lead late in the game. Uh, the other reason is because uh, if you've watched any Chiefs games, the Chiefs run a ton of play action. Uh, they really like to use that play action. We know Alex Smith isn't a guy that's driving the ball down the field a lot, so um, they use it to, to try to keep those uh, safeties and DBs a little honest. And if uh, they have a back that's clearly more effective, well, then that's naturally going to lead to that back uh, playing more snaps and although where is the bigger back we saw it in the second half of the game his uh his snap share went up uh, just because he was running more effectively um and then of course the all-important touches inside the 10-yard line even though Spencer Ware has been uh, injured uh since week 12 he's still out touching uh shark hendrick west four to one inside the 10 and we saw that last week Spencer Ware scored that goal line touchdown uh, albeit from the fullback position but that was uh that was more the chiefs kind of using uh, a little trickery. They lined up in the power eye, and then kind of ran a, um, just kind of ran a uh, a counter play. Um, so they're just using a little misdirection there. Uh, and then, like I said, Spencer were actually outtouched. Uh, Shark Kendrick West last week in their first game together, back healthy. Uh, but we're still priced twelve hundred dollars below West on FanDuel and seventeen hundred dollars on DraftKings. So that's a spot that I think uh, is really exploitable this week. Uh, staying in the Kansas City Chiefs offense. Uh, Jeremy Macklin has been uh, one of the most dominant wide receivers over the past five to six weeks. Uh, he's been finding the end zone early in the game, which has been nice for DFS owners because they get that monkey off their back right away. He's been rewarding them with a touchdown. And this week, Macklin is a very good game theory play because he's a nice, natural pivot off of Doug Baldwin, who is, who's been similarly as hot. I mean, even hotter, probably the, the hottest wide receiver in the league. But uh, as we mentioned in the intro, we're going to be looking for some, some unique plays, a way to differenti- differentiate our lineup. And when, when you have two similar values, Uh, Very very closely priced, then that's a nice way to give yourself a unique roster. Um, Macklin is only $100 less than Baldwin on FanDuel, $300 left on DraftKings, uh, so that's where that natural pivot will come into play. Uh, both players, Macklin and Baldwin, have accounted for 46% of their team's red zone targets over the last four games. However, Macklin's accounted for 34% of his team's total targets, while Baldwin has only accounted for 23%. Um, obviously, this isn't an apples-apples comparison. We know that uh, the Seattle offense has been on fire, especially the passing game. Uh, there is a chance Marshawn Lynch comes back this week, so that can uh, affect how they attack, especially in the red zone, uh, which could drive Baldwin's value down a little bit. And even if you think Baldwin and Macklin are equal values, um, again, just because of what I think ownership percentage will be. Uh, I think Macklin is a really nice pivot play. Uh, the, the other spot I really like is a KC uh, defense. They've, they've been dominant, uh, these past few weeks. And again, they're going to be priced, uh, pretty high. And this is a week where, uh, the, it's, it's a really weird week, the short slates. The running backs are really bad, so uh, you're going to have most likely a situation where you have a lot of salary cap left over. Uh, we didn't talk about that in the introduction, but Uh, That's okay in these shorter slates. Sometimes you're going to put together a roster where you have maybe $1,500 left over. Um, I think that's fine. And when you're in those situations, you can afford to pay up for these really good spots uh, like the KC defense, um, who has been dominant in a low-scoring game. You mentioned uh, that this game has an over-under of just 40, and Houston's projected to score uh, under 19 points. Uh, On the other side of the ball, Obviously, you can always talk about uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Um, he's near the top of the league in uh, in targets, um, in red zone targets. Uh, so he's going to be in play. All the top wide receivers are going to be in play. But I think the player that's flying a little bit under the radar on that offense is Alfred Blue. Who's $5,700 on FanDuel and $4,200 on DraftKings? Uh, he's seen 15 plus rushes in three straight games, and 20 plus rushes in two of their last three games. And in those games where he's had 20 plus rushes, he has also uh, had 100 rushing yards. So Alfred Blue is a nice volume play uh, if you think that this chance has a game. Uh, uh, this game has a chance of going awry and Houston can take advantage of having a playoff game at home, then obviously Alfred Blue is going to be a really nice contrarian play where everybody is probably going to be playing the other side of this game.
0: Definitely. And you mentioned a good point about um, you don't don't, don't have to use your whole salary in these kind of games, and I think that was a really good point. And also you mentioned every quarterback pretty much is going to be in play, and I just thought about, you know, I think the same could be said for pretty much every defense and and every Mm -hmm. kicker. Um, and Houston, this this Kansas City Houston game, it's a uh, it has a really low over under. It's around forty, so uh, everyone's going to be on the KC defense. I think the Houston defense yep. also playing well might be a interesting contrarian play. Uh, we saw Alex Smith actually uncharacteristically throw a pick six last week. Yeah. Um, so um, I doubt he'll. He's not a guy that would throw many interceptions, but he is a guy that will play conservatively and take a lot of sacks. So that could be a. Another interesting play.
1: Very good uh, point.
0: Let's move on to the Steelers at the Bengals. The Steelers are currently favored by 2.5 points, and the over-under is 45.5. So that would mean the Steelers have an implied total of 24, and the Bengals have an implied total of twenty-one-five. Pittsburgh's team total is the highest team total on the slate. Of course, Antonio Brown is probably the best play on the slate. He's ninety five hundred on FanDuel, ninety six hundred on DraftKings, but as T J mentioned, you don't have to use a lot of your salary, uh all of your salary, excuse me, and therefore should be able to fit Brown in anywhere that you want. He, of course, led the NFL in receiving yards and uh and was tied for the lead in receptions. And uh Ben Roethlisberger, he's eighty four hundred on FanDuel, seventy two hundred on DraftKings. Led the NFL in passing yards per game. He Did miss a few games, so he didn't wasn't the leader overall. But the thing about Roethlisberger is he's going to be a very popular play, and for good reason. They have the highest team total on a slate, but he has been struggling on the road. He mm-hmm. has thrown for more than one touchdown in only one of his six road games this year, and has. Substantial differences in his home road splits uh, going back throughout the last few seasons of his career. So, that is something to keep in mind in GPPs if you're planning to go all in 100% on a guy like Roethlisberger. Um, This is a game that, although it has the highest over under, there's only four games, and we've seen Vegas be be wrong a lot. And, you know, there's a possibility that this could be a low scoring game, uh, Mm. even despite what uh, Vegas thinks. But I think the real interesting uh, part of this game for the Steelers offense is going to be what happens with their running backs. Right now, it doesn't look like D'Angelo Williams will play. I don't think he's been officially ruled out yet, but if he does not go, Fitzgerald Toussaint would get the start. He is 5,700 on FanDuel and 3,900 on DraftKings, and currently we're at 4-4-4, our rating's Rankings guru, John Paulson, who's been doing a great job all season with the projections. Uh, always one of the most accurate uh, experts in terms of projections year in and year out. Right now, we have Toussaint as the top value at running back on all of the major sites. So as long as he's going to be the starter, he looks like a, a good value. The scouting report on him is basically he's good at getting what's blocked He's good at doing the little things, but he's not a difference-making physical talent. However, on an offense like Pittsburgh's, that could still be very valuable. Um, Number one, just because they have been Roethlisberger at quarterback and Antonio Brown, so you could never really focus on stopping the run against Pittsburgh. And another thing is uh, the Steelers have a tendency to play their starting running backs almost exclusively. So if they indeed treat Toussaint like they treated Bell and Williams. Uh, Bell got 94% of the snaps when healthy, and Williams got 92% of the start snaps in his starts. So Toussaint played on 33 of 35 snaps once Williams went down. Uh, he also executed a two-point conversion pass. So Toussaint did, uh, he did get a significant workload. Uh, talent is average, but... In this kind of game, only with limited options and uh, the highest team total, if Toussaint even gets an easy touchdown, um, he'll probably pay off his cost, so definitely somebody you want to look at, and again, we're recording this on Wednesday afternoon, so we don't know exactly what will happen with D'Angelo Williams, but if he's out, I think Toussaint will get the the majority of the work, uh, Jordan Todman, I'm not even sure if he was active last week, but he didn't get a touch, uh, Will Johnson was in on a, a one or two plays, uh, but that's about it for the Pittsburgh backfield, and then another interesting thing about the Pittsburgh offense, I think, is all of a sudden we have a legitimate question mark about mm-hmm. who's their second wide receiver. This might surprise some people, but over the last six weeks, Marcus Wheaton has 28 catches for 476 yards and four touchdowns on 47 targets. Martavis Bryant has 28 catches as well, but he has only 325 yards and one touchdown on 50 targets. So Wheaton and Bryant, about the same amount of targets, and Wheaton's been a lot more efficient, 151 yards and three more touchdowns than Bryant over the last six weeks. Uh, that was mainly due to Bryant turning in two huge duds in a row. Ben Roethlisberger called Bryant out this week, Yeah, uh, said he needed to toughen up, and I don't quite know how to look at that. I think... You can look at it one of two ways. You can either say, well, Ben is a veteran. He knows what he's doing, calling out his young receiver to motivate him. Um, But you can also look at it and say, hey, you know, Ben Roethlisberger doesn't usually call people out. There might be a legitimate issue going on, um, especially when you look at the fact that Brian really hasn't been producing. I know he's been a little banged up. So I think because Brian is such a young and volatile player, uh, I think he does make a good GPP selection, but I don't think the possibility that he could just have another dud should be ruled out either and I don't think Wheaton should be overlooked because I still think Bryant will be a lot higher on than Wheaton and another fact about Wheaton is over the last six weeks he has the same amount of red zone targets as Antonio Brown. They both have 11. That's in the top 10 in the league over that span. Bryant only has four. Bryant however will line up Against Dre Kirkpatrick, who is the Bengals' lowest graded corner, according to our friends at Pro Football Focus. Now, moving on to the Bengals' side of the ball, the top play is Jeremy Hill who some people may have been disappointed with if they drafted him in season-long leagues, but he is tied for the NFL lead in rushing touchdowns. He's got 19.8 touches over his last three games, and he's also tied for second with carries inside the 10-yard line with Adrian Peterson, and he's actually converted 10 of those into touchdowns, whereas Peterson has only converted seven. That's something to keep in mind there, I think, uh, Peterson will probably be more popular than he should be, just because there's so many, lim- there's such a limited uh, assortment of backs this week. But Peterson in a tough matchup, uh, and then AJ McCarron, the quarterback of the Bengals, looks like he's going to get the start. Andy Dalton shed the cast on his thumb, but doesn't look like he's going to be able to go again. We're recording this Wednesday, so we could get updates uh, throughout the week. But assuming McCarron starts, he is the Top value at quarterback, uh, according to John Paulson's projections on four for four, um, on our Fanduel value report, our DraftKings value reports. You, listeners probably familiar with those. You can go check those out. But he did go twenty-two of thirty-two for two hundred eighty yards and two scores against the Steelers in a relief appearance a few weeks ago. He hasn't been able to replicate those numbers as a starter, so that is a bit concerning. Uh, but In a slate where there are not too many good matchups, Pittsburgh is 25th in 4 for 4s strength of schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterback. So McCarron has a good matchup on paper. He has produced against the Steers in the past, and he's pretty much the cheapest quarterback outside of uh, Bridgewater on some sites. So McCarron definitely an option uh, if you want to save some salary and get a bunch of high-priced, wide receivers or maybe Adrian Peterson in your lineup. A.J. Green, he's a guy that I love to play on the road a lot more than at home, but his home road splits haven't really held up against Pittsburgh this year. He went off in both games, 6-for-132 and a touchdown last time. Uh, with most of that coming with McCarron and um, 11 for 118 and one uh, in the other game. So AJ Green, definitely an option. Another guy who might get overlooked because Antonio Brown's at a higher price point. Then you have Hopkins and then you, when you want, can save a little more salary with uh, Baldwin and Macklin. So Green, a guy that might be under the radar, but always a threat to blow up. And McCarron has shown that he can get Green the ball, Green's... Been scoring touchdowns in uh, most of his last uh, six games. I believe he scored in uh, five of the last six. And then Tyler Eifert, he is sixty four hundred on Fanduel, five k on DraftKings. He was out ridiculous 11 of 16 at converting touchdowns in the red zone and he scored 13 touchdowns on only 74 targets so that's he scored a touchdown on 17.5 percent of his targets and that is very valuable in a short slate because if he gets five or six targets there's a good chance he's going to score a touchdown uh he caught one from a last week so uh pretty much all the offensive options uh from this game are in play but uh just some Wanted to give you guys some interesting numbers uh, behind these guys. And of course, uh, the defenses uh, don't look particularly appetizing just because this game has the highest over-under. But again, uh, any defense on the short slate is in play. The Steelers do let Antonio Brown return punt, so they're always a threat for a return touchdown as well. Uh, Anything else to add to that, TJ?
1: Uh, I like that you mentioned that you just like this game overall. Uh, I want people to keep in mind that in these short slates, you don't have to abide by traditional uh, roster construction rules, meaning uh, you don't have to limit yourself to just a quarterback and uh, one of their pass catchers. Uh, I mean, you can make an argument for rostering three or four players from the same team. Uh, think back to uh that kansas city indianapolis wild card weekend uh, a couple years ago uh if you just roster players from that game you probably won a lot of money um so that's a way to make a very unique lineup is just by uh rostering the main cogs on both offenses and i think this is a game to do it uh just touching on that Steelers situation with fitzgerald Toussaint, um it's a small sample size and it was only one game but i think it's definitely worth noting that um with Fitzgerald Toussaint in the game last week, uh, Pittsburgh attempted just one run in eight red zone plays, uh, and six weeks prior with D'Angelo Williams, they had basically one-to-one red zone ratio, 25 pass attempts, 23 rush attempts. Uh, So I don't know if if that was something they planned going into the game, uh, but with D'Angelo Williams out, they definitely shifted towards the pass when they got near the goal line. Um, So I would definitely just keep that in mind uh, with this game. Uh, But... Uh, jumping into to our next game on the slate, third game, uh, we have Green Bay at Washington. Uh, Green Bay is favored by one. This game has an over-under of 45 points, giving Green Bay an implied total of 23, Washington an implied total of 22. Um, just starting on the Green Bay side of the ball, uh, one of the players that I really like, a guy that I touted as a regression candidate last week, is Aaron Rodgers. Uh, we know this offense has been struggling, but again, uh, so many so many plays in play this week, just trying to find that unique lineup. Uh, A-Rod's $8,100 on FanDuel and $6,400 on DraftKings. Uh, Green Bay has the second highest team total behind Pittsburgh of the weekend. Uh, when they have gotten in scoring range, they've tried to score through the air. They haven't done it successfully. Uh, 46 red zone attempts uh, over the past six weeks, but just four touchdowns. Uh, The numbers are very similar to what I mentioned last week. Um, A red zone conversion rate through the air under 9% for Aaron Rodgers. Uh, For his career, he's over 26%. So we would hope that that regresses a little bit uh, to the average. Uh, We did see a very interesting line movement this week. This game opened Green Bay plus 2 with only 44% of the money on Green Bay or of the bets on Green Bay. Uh, Green Bay is now uh, favored by 1% so that when we see that reverse line movement, the, the public is on a team, but the line shifts the other way. Uh, that means there's a lot of sharp money pounding the other side of the ball, uh, the, of the other side of, of, the, uh, of the bets. Uh, the most classic example we saw of this this year was uh, the Detroit Thanksgiving game, where they opened as slight dogs, shifted to favorites, and we remember how that game turned out. Uh, one of the biggest problems for the Packers has been Uh, Their offensive line, uh, Chris, as you mentioned, uh, off air, just their receivers getting open, a combination of both, which has led to a lot of pressure uh, on Aaron Rodgers and forced him to make some errant throws. Uh, If you're looking for a little bit of relief, there uh, Washington's defensive line ranks 27th in adjusted sack rate according to uh, Football Outsiders a really good site to check out uh, offensive and defensive line stats and Washington also ranks 23rd in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks so Aaron Rodgers does have one of the most more favorable quarterback matchups of the weekend uh, and I do think he'll make a nice contrarian play just because uh, uh, Roethlisberger and um, Russell Wilson are probably going to be uh, very popular, and they're similarly priced to Aaron Rodgers. Um, if I'm choosing one of Aaron Rodgers' uh, targets, I think James Jones is the the spot that you want to target. He's 5700 on FanDuel, $4,100 on DraftKings. Uh, leads all Green Bay receivers in snaps and targets over the last month. Uh, he's the only wide receiver to play every snap in Week 17 for the Packers. Um, In that last month, he has accounted for 21% of Green Bay's red zone looks, including six red zone looks over the last two games. Um, Of all the playoff teams, Washington has the worst red zone pass defense uh, of late. Over the last six games, they've allowed 23% of red zone targets to go for touchdowns, Uh, so that's right around the league average. And Washington ranks 29th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers If we're looking for an exploitable matchup, uh, James Jones probably has the most uh, favorable matchup. He'll be lined up against Quinton Dunbar, um, who has been uh, Washington's worst cover corner. And then, again, we talked about running back kind of being a mess this week. So I think you do have to consider Eddie Lacy just because uh, he is going to get the bulk of the carries. Uh, He hasn't been a world beater by any means, but you're still getting double-digit touches. Uh, in four straight games, including 15 last week. Um, On this slate with the running backs available, um, you can definitely do worse. So Lacey at 6,000 on FanDuel and 4,500 on DraftKings, uh, I think is at least worth a look if if you're looking for a play that uh, people might not be on. I think people might just be off this Green Bay offense as a whole. Uh, So stacking this offense might be a good way to get a very unique lineup. On the other side of the ball, uh, you talked about with Antonio Brown, some of the best plays, plays that uh, we don't necessarily have to avoid just because they're expensive because of all of the uh, price relief uh, at the other positions. I think Jordan Reed is the best value of the week. He's the best uh, tight end value in four for four Fanduel value reports. He has the highest tight end usage over the past six weeks of any playoff tight end. Uh, that inclu- includes players on the by like Rob Gronkowski. Uh, Jordan Reed's averaging almost eight targets per game. Over the last six weeks, uh, 26% of the team's total market share, 31% of the team's red zone targets, and Green Bay is the only team that is as bad as Washington in the red zone at uh, defending the pass in terms of scoring. They, too, have allowed 23% of red zone targets to go for touchdowns over the last six games. So I think uh, we've seen this offense lead on Jordan Reed, and uh, they should continue to do that with Kirk Cousins playing pretty efficiently. Uh, in the backfield, you got a little bit of a of a fuzzy situation. We've seen Alfred Morris, uh, who's had double-digit carries the last four weeks, and it's went up every week: uh, eleven, fourteen, seventeen, and nineteen uh, for his last few games. Uh, so he has been getting worked back in. Um, but we did see Pierre Thomas two weeks ago uh, get eight targets and seven receptions. Uh, he kind of got phased out last week just because Washington. Uh, blew out the cowboys early and didn 't really need to pass late in the game, but if they 're in a situation where they 're playing catch up uh, they are underdogs, then we could see a spot where Pierre Thomas emerges as uh, as the guy that 's getting the a, a lot of the work for the washington uh, backfield and I think that can be a guy that uh, people are, aren 't really going to Beyond just because he hasn't been on the team for long, Uh, a lot of people probably don't realize that he had seven catches two weeks ago. uh, So he can make for a really nice play, especially if you think Washington's going to have to throw the ball a lot. Uh, Anything else on this game, Chris?
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, You mentioned Morris and Thomas, and that's another situation where I think people just have to keep up with the news because the Redskins have said basically that they're going to make one of their— halfbacks inactive this week Matt Jones looks like he'll be back so it's either going to be Chris Thompson but it could potentially even be Pierre Thomas so Uh Uh that is something to keep in mind Uh, check those uh injury reports and just the news on Washington and then one more thing you mentioned uh, going back to The Redskins being the weakest red zone offense, that's a really interesting stat because it's going to basically be weakness on weakness with the Packers. Over the last six weeks, Aaron Rodgers went throwing to wide receivers in the red zone, Is 10 of 29, that's 34% completion percentage, for 44 yards, that's 1.5 yards per attempt with only one touchdown and three picks. So he's one touchdown on his last 29 attempts to wide receivers in the red zone. And that just goes back to what you mentioned, TJ, about the Packers' wide receivers just really struggling to get open. Richard Rodgers has actually been their most efficient red zone weapon, so he's a cost-effective option that um, could pay off this weekend Uh, moving on to the final game that is the Seattle Seahawks going to visit the Minnesota Vikings the Seahawks are five point favorites the over under is 39.5 at the time of this recording which means Seattle would have a implied point total of 22.3 and Minnesota's would be 17.3 now Marshawn Lynch is practicing in full, so there could be some interesting effects on the Seattle offense. Looks like he's going to play, so. But first, we'll go through some of the numbers. So Russell Wilson. Over his last seven games, has a 24-to-1 touchdown and interception ratio. and He's averaging 300 total yards per game. In his last game against Minnesota in Week 13, he went 21-of-27 for 274 yards, three touchdowns, added a rushing touchdown, and 51 rushing yards as well. So he had a big game against the Vikings. Doug Baldwin, he's 7,400 on FanDuel and 6,700 on DraftKings. He has... 12 touchdowns in his last 8 games, 90.5 yards per game during that span. A 5-catch, 94-yard, 2-touchdown outing in his last game versus Minnesota. And then Tyler Lockett has 90 yards and or a touchdown in 3 of his last 5 games as well. And he makes a nice stack with the Seattle defense special teams. Uh, Lockett had 3 punt returns last week alone of 30 yards or more. But with Marshawn practicing in full, there were some interesting splits going on with the Seattle passing game and Lynch this season. So Russell Wilson with Marshawn in the lineup, only 244 yards passing per game and 1.1 touchdowns. When Marshawn was out of the lineup, those numbers jumped to 267 passing yards per game and 2.9 touchdowns. So he's basically tripling up almost his touchdown passing touchdowns per game with Lynch out of the lineup, and he's getting about 25 more passing yards per game. And Doug Baldwin, it's a similar story, of course. With Marshawn Lynch in the lineup, Baldwin averages four and a half catches for 53 yards and .29 touchdowns. And when Lynch is out of the lineup, Baldwin's numbers jump to 5.1 catches for 77 yards and 1.3 touchdowns. So Baldwin is averaging a whole extra touchdown per game. With Lynch out of the lineup and Baldwin's red zone usage really picked up during the last eight games, uh, last six, seven weeks of the season with Lynch out. So that's something to keep in mind. Uh, We need more clarity basically as to what kind of workload Lynch will handle. Will he be more of a decoy? Will Seattle continue to run their offense? Will Russell Wilson continue to operate from the pocket? Will they bring back more read option stuff? Uh, That's another situation where it's too early to tell. I would guess they incorporate more of their offense that's been successful over the second half of the season. Um, Lynch wasn't as efficient as he has been in years past necessarily. And the offense, the the team actually got up to a slower start with Lynch in the lineup. So I would think they continue to, to throw the ball, but Minnesota's tough defense. So again, that's something where we need more clarity on. But there are huge splits differentiating. Uh, the passing game when Lynch is in and out of the lineup, which uh, is something to keep in mind for GPPs because I because the Seattle offense has been on a tear lately, the passing offense. I think they will be very highly owned in GPPs, and if Seattle does make it more of kind of a ground-and-pound game, uh, Lynch could be an interesting GPP stack with the defense and maybe even lock it, uh, but you, you might might pay off there. Uh, and then Minnesota is also 26th in 4-for-4 four four schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to kickers. So if you're playing on FanDuel, that's something to keep in mind with Steven Hauschka. And on Minnesota side of the ball, uh, not really an attractive matchup for them. I think Adrian Peterson is... A really risky cash gameplay, just because, um, especially on a site like FanDuel, where you can only play two running backs. You, you might be paying up a lot for him, and it might block access to another running back that ends up scoring a, a lot more at a lower price. Um, and also, I think Adrian Peterson is the uh, has the lowest floor of any player in his salary range.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, even and that's even though Adrian Peterson. That sounds strange to say for the, the league's leading rusher, but. In his last game versus the Seahawks, he had 12 touches for 24 yards in Week 13. In his only other game against a top-five fantasy defense against running backs, he had 27 touches for only 57 yards against the Chiefs in Week 6. He did score a long touchdown against the Broncos, which also have a good run defense. So he had about 81 yards and a touchdown in that game. But in general, Peterson has struggled against top-tier run defenses this season and Seattle, in terms of the quarterbacks, uh, top five and quarterback schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater is the lowest projected quarterback by 4 for 4 rankings guru John Paulson. And there was a point where Seattle looked vulnerable to tight ends. They are now fifth in s- schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends as well. So there are really no weaknesses along the Seattle defense, and with the offensive question marks in Minnesota, the best play uh, probably is the Seattle defense over any of the Minnesota skill position players in this game. Uh, TJ, anything to add to the Viking Seahawks affair?
1: Uh, You nailed exactly all my thoughts. I think think Seahawks might be the best play uh, in this game. The Seahawks defense might be the best play in this slate overall. Uh, just mentioning some of the things we talked about with, uh, with Lynch coming back, with the pivot play that you could you can play on Macklin. Uh, I, I really like Seattle's defense in this game.
0: Cool. So that about wraps it up for us. Uh, we hope you guys enjoyed this playoff edition of DFS MVP. Did things a little different this week going game by game. Be sure to check out 4 for com. We're still... Releasing uh, daily fantasy content throughout the duration of the playoffs. So we'll still have our FanDuel and DraftKings write-ups up. We'll still have our our stacking write-up up up and our exploiting defenses column and all that good stuff. So be sure to check out 444.com. We, of course, have the value reports and the the stack value reports and a bunch of cool stuff that can help you uh, succeed and make some money in Playoff DFS, especially if you're itching to play some more with your season long fantasy league over. So again, this is DFS MVP Daily Fantasy Sports Most Valuable Podcast presented by four for four football. You can find TJ on Twitter at TJ Hernandez, and you can find me on Twitter at Chris Raybon. Good luck in week eighteen. Let's get this money.
1: Let's get this money.
0: I don't know, no. <laughs> Good. Uh, young money, sir, in the big shot. Time to do the thing. That's word to your wristwatch. Shoot the clock till it burn to my wrist lock. Rims a big, tires in like Chris Rock.